You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. And welcome to Palagarainen! Another intro. I, I will keep trying this for the next 10 years because the Ravens are never going to lose again. Now 13-2. and two. Winners 31-15 to 15 against the hated division rival Cleveland Browns. Officially the number one seed in the AFC with a game to play. You can tell I'm excited. I'm joined by Tim Horsey. Tim, are you uh, as excited as I am? The road to Miami goes through Baltimore. That is something that we've never been able to say, something that hopefully we can make good on that promise. Uh, yeah, I, 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 a really, really strong performance for most of the game yesterday, which we'll get into. So I'm feeling pretty good. I will say this, though. I am never going to wish this team to lose, but I feel like you're straining at this point for intros and maybe a gift from the heavens would be a competitive game against the Steelers. Maybe a little loss so you can kind of reset the meter because we're getting into playoff time. These have to be perfectly executed. That was my game show, my game show voice. Okay. I, I'm going to pass on that one. Needs work. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Maybe just tune that's it up fine. a little bit. Yeah, well, I like you te- a little teaser there for the end of the episode about the upcoming Steelers game. But first, let's go to our West Coast correspondent, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you doing over there? 
Uh, who's got it better than us, Antonio? <laughs> That's all I have to say. Number one seed, truly unprecedented in the Ravens history. Feels good. Um, I agree. It's always great to beat the Cleveland Browns, uh, avoiding getting swept by any of your division rivals. Big key. Um, and yeah, number one seed. And uh, Lamar, I think, obviously solidified the MVP yesterday. So excited to get uh, talking about it here. MVP for Lamar all but wrapped up despite like not playing next week, despite sitting out multiple fourth quarters. The Ravens number one seeds for the first time in their franchise history. They have not lost a game since September? September. Everything pointing up for the Ravens, so obviously we're all terrified, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> Let's get into this Browns game first. We were concerned a little bit about it being a potential, you know, quote-unquote trap game. It was in Cleveland. They were the last team to have beaten us, and things started pretty slow. Uh, Jace may or may not have started offering up predictions that the Ravens would be the three seed in the first quarter of that game after a 6 nothing deficit, but then... Uh, the Ravens took much more control, end up winning by multiple scores. Uh, so let's get your guys' input on this game. What did you like? What did you not like? What was hideous? What do you take away from this game? I hated all but two minutes of the first half. Um, it, it was like the stench of the city of Cleveland rubbed off on the Baltimore Ravens when they landed the plane, and they they acted like the Cleveland Browns. They were they. This is the epitome of playing to competition. Stupid mistakes, not executing little things. Letting the other team get in your head. Um, I don't even know who 44 is on the Cleveland Browns, and I'd, I'm not even going to look it up because he's not worth it. But him clapping after making every single tackle that was a four-yard gain, it seemed to get in their heads a little bit. Lamar then just buried the guy later with one of the best jukes I've ever seen uh, and a play fake. But that first half in general, I, I know, Antonio, you were kind of talking uh, after the game we were talking about it, and you said, this is great for the Ravens. They made some mistakes, and they were able to fight back. They got it out of their system. I'm kind of completely on the other side where I think if you if you play poorly and you come back and you're able to scrap out a tough win, I'm fine with that. But shooting yourself in the foot over and over and over again is inexcusable, and it's, it's not going to win in January. Well, there are some things I, I was worried about. The penalties are things I'm concerned about because that's a discipline issue. That's a getting beat by good players, which is going to, you know, in one-on-one situations, which is going to happen in the playoffs. But for me, it was more the offensive side that, that I was okay with because you're going to have games where things just aren't going right when you have an offense like this. They were moving the ball. They were getting big chunks of yardage even early in the game, but it was fumbles, yeah. stupid penalties, and just in that sense, uh, it was good to see them sort of maintain their composure We've seen games in the past of this Ravens team against inferior competition where that lull just sits for the rest of the game. They never figure it out. They never get on track. You keep waiting you know, for the offense to get going, and they never do. So it was just good to see finally them get some points before the end of the first half, which we'll, we'll get into the reasons for that in a second. But, Jace, uh, what, what did you like? Well, that's a great point by you, Antonio. I believe the last trip to Cleveland was like a 12-9 overtime thriller or something. So we have seen them just never get on track. But I I fall on the side of with you more than Tim. I think it was good for the team to be able to find a way um, to get out. And I agree with you, too. I, I was disappointed because they were moving the ball, and it was more self-inflicted. You know, Lamar misses Mark Andrews on a fourth down. 
um, which I didn't love the play call, but he did have them and kind of just missed them. And then him and Ingram uh, mess up the mesh and fumble it um, for the first one of the first real times they've done that largely this season, at least to that degree. So it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And uh, Tim, I, you mentioned this, I believe, in our text thread. They were fighting the field position battle. Um, that entire first half, they were just it seemed like every one of the Ravens drives started on like the 10. Um, so they had everything go against them and for most of the first half. And we'll get into the penalties. Uh, one, I think, was complete ref ball and completely unearned. That kept one uh, Browns uh, touchdown drive alive. The, the one touchdown drive of the first half alive, frankly. But so I, I, I was distressed, but... It never. The defense was good to hold them only to six uh, in that first half, and I was pleased greatly, obviously, with what they were able to do in the two-minute drill. Um, you know, they score. It, it's two plays. They score their first touchdown, um, and that was kind of set up in part by a great Sam Cook punt, and then a just baffling Browns play call where it looked like Kareem Hunt, uh, their running back, was possibly trying to throw a halfback pass on third down and like two <laughs> that, he's lucky he didn't fumble the ball but then the Ravens go two plays they he hits Ingram on just a beautiful ball where he had all day the line gave him all time and Mark Ingram was able to spring open and he just fit it right in and then uh, the Browns just didn't cover Mark Andrews which is a strategy and then the the second drive I thought was even more impressive uh where they go basically 80 yards uh, I think it was just a shade under 80 um, in like 40 seconds, like it was uh, like 46 seconds, I believe. Um, and he hits Mark Andrews in the end zone on that, just that schoolyard play. And then they go into the half up 14 to six. Now we could get into why the Ravens even got that second opportunity here in a second. Uh, Cause that was a choice by the Browns as well. But uh, I, I was very impressed um, just with everything they did in the final two minutes of that first half. Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. I was impressed with that, but I was also dumbfounded by how ridiculous <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is. I mean, you're talking about it. You, you didn't even mention it. The, the, the reason they got the ball back that second time was because they did three pass plays in a row, completed none of them, ran about eight seconds off the clock, <laughs> and gave Baltimore plenty of time to march back down the field and score. And this is what I'm talking about. This is not the type of stuff you're going to get in January. The Ravens, it was it was fun to watch. It was the, everybody going, oh, my God, Lamar's the best, Lamar's the best, Lamar's the best. And I was doing that in that moment, too. And I, trust me, I love the guy. But just to play devil's advocate here, you're not getting that in January. It felt like the entire first half, Cleveland was starting at the 45 or the 50, and the Baltimore Ravens were starting at the 10. I don't care how good you are. You are going to lose football games that way. And taking out the context of playing the dumpster fire that is the Cleveland Browns, that's not going to be successful. No other coach in the NFL has that <laughs> that lack of situational awareness in that in that sort of area to to gift the Ravens offense, the best offense in the league, six points essentially. So it was it was very cool to see, but I I worry about it now as we've played our final real regular season game, something we'll get into later, that now all of the all those little things matter. That fumble, guess what? Impressive that that's probably the first RPO that they fumbled on in 16 weeks. That's in, that's incredible. But at the same time, don't start doing it now because this is when it really really matters. I mean, I agree with you, Tim. Some of so early in this game, 
it seemed like uh, Landry and Beckham were just going to catch seven to 12 yard slant routes over and over and over again, and that it was going to be a disaster on defense. I don't understand why the Browns don't do that more. I, I got such a clear picture today of why they're six and nine, because their play calling is always what it shouldn't be based on the trend of the game. We talked about in the preview of this game that we knew they weren't going to give uh, Nick Chubb 20 carries because why would you give the best running back in the NFL a lot of touches? Just insane stuff. Third and one, Jace, you're talking about that play. Instead of running it up the middle with Chubb, why don't you give it to the running back you signed that played, you know, only started playing halfway through the season on a pitch. So it's disastrous stuff that makes the Ravens look better than they probably were. But at the same time, he gave up six points to a team that has a lot of good skill position players in that first half. And by the time it was 14 to six, the game was basic. I mean, not over, but kind of over. They got the ball to start the second half. The Ravens did. And the, the next four drives were touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And then they ran the clock out and ended the game. So, you know, it's tough to take a half of football and love it against a bad team, but you know, the NFL is hard. Every game is tough. You know the Browns were amped up for this. We talked about how this was like maybe their biggest game at this point of the season to try to prove that they beat the Ravens twice in one year. But, you know, I, I take that it's a tough game against Cleveland on the road. It was ugly to start, um, but they cleaned things up. And everything turned uh, on that Sam Cook punt where they uh, he just placed the ball on the three-yard line and then the field position was, was all different and, and they could score and take a lead. And then it was... The game was in hand at that point. Yeah, you forget what kind of a weapon he is um, because (laughs) we haven't had to use him that often this year. But, I mean, the running joke on Ravens wrap-up was best player in the league, Sam Cook, because he was a huge part of so many Ravens wins because he was able to determine field position the way he does. And to be able to cough and corner kick like, like that guy does is an invaluable weapon, especially when it gets cold out, especially when you're having these offensive struggles against better defenses or in really high-pressure situations. Uh, Two guys, I want to talk about the defense, obviously, because I always want to talk about the defense. The two guys I want to highlight real quickly are guys, one that has started to come on late, and another rookie who I'm loving seeing these flashes because I think it just means more production as we get into later years in his career. First off being Seth Roberts. uh, Made some big catches. Didn't really show up in the stat sheet too much. Um, He only finished with two catches for 23 yards, but both were pretty crucial. He's also a guy that he's been out there as the one receiver on a lot of those heavy packages now, a guy that Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson are starting to trust more, especially when you have a young receiving core. That's invaluable. And then Justice Hill. I mean, we have to talk about it. Mark Ingram's got a calf strain. He's not playing next week. They say they hope he's back for the playoffs. That's that's not great for a 30-year-old running back, a guy who just turned 30. Justice Hill, Gus Edwards was awesome today. I mean, up the gut, the guy's never going backwards, which is my favorite type of running back. But Justice Hill um, had his first career touchdown, we should say, and out of the backfield was it was a dynamic weapon, finishing three catches, 32 yards, another three carries and 19 yards. But but has a little bit of that, you know, that quick twitch, that dynamism, that guy that shifty in the backfield, <laughs> like the quarterback, which is weird to say. <laughs> um, that's just another weapon to have. Not saying that it, he'll be a huge contributor maybe in the playoffs or anything. It'd be great to have the option. But somebody that I was encouraged by because um, I feel like I've been a negative Nancy the whole time. But so those two guys really, really stood out for me on the offensive side of the ball. I completely agree. He was awesome out of the backfield catching. And they got um, 
That's something, because I don't know if that was just specific to this game. They they did a lot of kind of swing passes out of the backfield. That was Ingram had a completely uncovered touchdown um, out of the backfield. Uh, that, you know, Lamar read that perfectly. You know, he stared off and then just, whoop, dinked it into him. But, uh, it, um, yeah, Justice Hill, and I noticed that he got involved a little more when Gus Edwards did fumble. Now, they did recover that fumble, but uh, I don't know if that was uh, Johnny Harb sending that's a little a bit of a message yeah, or, that's a or what. But uh, it, it, like you said, it's encouraging, uh, especially with Ingram out. And You think he'll play. You think he'll be back for the divisional round. It's basically three weeks from yesterday um, as we record that he – the injury happened that when they'll play again, but it looked bad. It was non-contact, which are always kind of the worst injuries. Um, Cause that, but they claimed it wasn't a structural problem for him at least yesterday. But um, yeah, so I think it'll be in that sense. I think this upcoming week will be good for guys like justice Hill and Gus Edwards again to kind of be the lead guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we saw Gus Edwards take this lead role at the end of last season where his carries, he had more and more carries as that season went along. And I don't want to, it's not an exact replacement for Ingram. He doesn't break as many tackles as Ingram does, but he is a successful runner often. And he's a big guy that seemingly every defense thinks is slower than he is. He They think this is this big truck coming at them and then he runs by them and he's down the sideline. So you know, it'll be good if Ingram doesn't play. I'm not going to be sort of overly concerned with with just Gus Edwards getting ten more carries than he would have gotten. Um, but I agree with you, Tim, that Justice Hill is a guy that that is really coming on. Uh, has a lot of speed, catching balls out of the backfield is going to come in handy if we have to play. Uh, you know, the New England Patriots, whose whose big issue is is linebackers covering uh, backs out of the backfield. So swing passes for days. I um, want to talk just very briefly because it's an easy, real easy topic to love. But Lamar Jackson, just another day at the office, 240 passing yards, led the team with 100 rushing yards, three more touchdowns, I had a bad, not a great game. <laughs> and this is what his numbers end up looking like. Missed some throws early, as we talked about. But then once he got it together, it was all over. So many rushes where it seems like there's four or five guys around him and he just finds these little seams and gets a first down and gets out of bounds. But now I'm comfortable with him taking a week off and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and not playing for, for a few games and getting getting fully rested, fully healthy, and in the playoffs. Yeah, two weeks for Lamar, because if, if you haven't heard the news, obviously, um, John Harbaugh came out today that he is not playing against Pittsburgh, along with some other guys as well. Uh, so real quickly, just want to go over some of these stats. Uh, 66% completion percentage, 3,127 yards passing, 36 touchdown passes, which at the moment is first in the NFL. Only six interceptions with a quarterback rating of 113.3, which currently is third in the National Football League. Rushing yards, 1,206, which is sixth in the NFL amongst (laughs) all players. Sixth in the NFL amongst all players, running backs, and Lamar Jackson, basically. Uh, 6.9 yards per carry, which is obviously first, and seven touchdowns on the ground to go with his 36 touchdown passes like you said no nothing really to add about his game here I think the the epitome of the making guys miss when you don't think it's possible is the end of the game 
the third and I think it was about three or four that ended it run to the right side. Looks like they have it. And then all of a sudden Houdini pops out on the other side of the first down line and he, and that's it. And that's game. And Freddie kitchens is walking over with that dumb look on his face to shake John Harbaugh's hand. So it just, we're, we're living in Lamar Jackson's world, ladies and gentlemen, and just enjoy the ride while you can. <laughs> yeah. It's, <clears throat> you said it perfectly. There's like, I, we've, we talk about him every week, but I've like run out of things to say. It's just laughable. Real, like he's doing things we've just never seen before. And it's incredible. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the future holds with him. You would imagine he gets better and better as a passer, but I, I've certainly uh, enjoyed this season probably more than most I'll say in Ravens history. And that's, uh, largely because of him, almost solely for the most part, and um, it's been it's been amazing to say. Like I never thought the Ravens would have obviously like the MVP quarterback of the league, um, <laughs> and and yesterday I you, you guys said it. He he started slow. I didn't think he was terrible by any means, but you know it just it wasn't all clicking or happening. And then just those two minute. Those two two-minute drill drives, he, he was fantastic on him, just throwing dimes. And then, obviously, the the second touchdown to Ingram, that's the one you'll see on his MVP highlight reel where he, like, dances around and almost flat-footed, just kind of lofts it 20 yards over a defensive back and uh, or uh, to Mark Andrews, who made a fantastic catch on it, too, we should say. But, um, yeah, it's it's been fun to watch him all year. And, yeah, and RG three time this week, so we'll uh, experience what uh, the difference is firsthand. I think. <laughs> yeah, Jace, you mentioned those those two drives in the last two minutes of the first half, and I wanted to mention this here. I think going hurry up really helped them get on track. A lot of time, you I mean you see offenses do this all the time in the middle of halves for no reason. They're just trying to mix things up and, and get their tempo. And that really worked in the Ravens' favor. You know, you're, you're making fewer penalties. The defense is on their on their heels. Uh, they're chasing. There's not as much time for them to think about, you know, what the Ravens are, are calling. So I'd almost like to see that in other games, maybe in the postseason, uh, if it's needed even before the two-minute drive. I mean, I know we're a team that likes the 12, 13-play drives that run a lot of clock, but it just worked so well to get some spark on the offense. So I'd be curious to see if they pull that uh at a random time in one of the playoff games. But let's turn to the defense now, Tim. It's, this, this is your moment. Uh, what, did you, uh, what did you like about the defense? Any things you didn't like? Maybe some penalties and tackling? Yeah, penalties <laughs> and tackling are always a problem. Um, Jimmy Smith, I'm not going to blame for the egregious. I don't know what uncatchable is anymore. Yeah, I, I don't care. Horrendous. I don't care how many. I don't care how many highlight reels Odell Beckham's been on. By the way, him doing the whole "Come get me" to Lamar at the end, I started just dying because <laughs> there is no chance in the world that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a Baltimore Raven next year. And thank God for it. Um, I I was a little concerned outside of that that pass interference call on Jimmy Smith, which was egregious. I think he struggled a little bit in coverage. Uh, Marcus Peters still doesn't like tackling unless it's literally taking out a guy's knees, which was you never like seeing that stuff. I mean, it was a legal hit. That's fine. It's the way to bring him down. But that kind of worries me. That stretch play to his side um, is always a little bit concerning. Marlon Humphrey even had a couple where, I mean, he it ended up being a loss, but it was a screen play. And Humphrey shoots out like a cannon. And you think it's going to be like a, a five yard loss. And the guy just shrugs, and I can't remember who the receiver was, just shrugs him off. Um, some, some really sloppy stuff. I do want to say, we, we kind of mentioned it in passing, 
the guys who aren't going to get the the accolades or you're going to look at the box score and be like, oh, how many tackles did this guy have are what Wink Martindale calls the FSU brothers. And that's Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. And let me tell you, neither of them went to Florida State. It's a family show, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's a family I, show. I, know, I understand that. Neither of them went to Florida State. The U stands for up. You figure it out from there. Um, the defensive line all day I thought was pretty good. Um, Demata Pecco as well I think has been really, really strong for them. He's gotten a lot of reps, and, and you see him making plays. I mean, he's hard to miss with all that hair. Uh, but but holding, holding the, the leading rusher in the National Football League to 45 yards on 15 carries – we can make the joke all day you want about Freddie not playing him, but a lot of some of the reason he did do that is because the defensive line, uh, I thought, was strong the entire game. And um, pass rush a little concerning. It, it seemed like now the Ravens blitz way more than any other team in the league, and I like it that way, almost over, or over 50%, I believe, because Wink just loves sending the house. But <laughs> when they sent four, it seemed like, and maybe it was just more noticeable because they weren't getting there, but it seemed like they rushed four a lot yesterday against Baker, and you didn't really see any sort of pressure, which again, when you go up against a guy who isn't Baker Mayfield, who makes, first of all, one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen at the end of that game uh, to Marlon Humphrey, who just got a gift um, to, to end it. But when you're playing a guy like Mahomes, I don't care how old he is, when you're playing a guy like Brady... When you're playing any of these guys, not named like Duck Hodges or Baker Mayfield, yeah, I'm going to put them in the same category. <laughs> That's a bit concerning. I just got to yeah. chill because I'm just thinking that we're going to have to face one of those, probably one of those two quarterbacks. And I'm not talking about the latter two that you mentioned. I'm yeah. talking about Brady and Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tim. I agree with you 100% that they were not getting pressure with four. I mean, we talk, we've talked about it all year. This is why they blitz. This is why they are yeah. constantly blitzing five, six guys is because the four that they have up front are just not those type of guys. A lot of plays where a lot of passing plays where the FSU brothers were both on the field at the same time. Yeah, which is really not, not a, it's not what you want. Not they're not pass rushers. Um, if there's only four rushing and two of them are those guys, like where's it going to come from? Basically, right. If you double Judon at that point you're not going to get a rush. So, you know, hopefully you get into situations where it's a little, you know, your uh, personnel grouping is a little better and you're sort of more aware of passing, obvious passing downs. But I think this, this is what it is for this defense. They're good as a unit, um, but they will continue to blitz repeatedly. (laughs) Well, and that's my, and I texted you guys a little bit about this on Sunday. That's my, Concern with the Ravens is just defensive playmaking. I think as an overall unit, they're pretty good. Obviously, you can't complain too much. They only gave up 15 points yesterday, and especially in the first half when things were going against them a little bit, hung them in there. I just worry about get uh, who's going to make that last play, you know, the game-winning interception if it's not Marlon Humphrey or, like, uh, who's going to get to the QB and get the sack on third down that you need. Uh, I just don't know if they have enough dynamic difference makers. And yesterday that actually was the the problem in Sunday's game against the Browns was less um, them not making plays versus... uh, other people committing penalties when plays have been made by their teammates. Uh, and that was, I guess, my biggest concern. We talked about the Jimmy Smith PI in the end zone, which was just baffling. One of the, I think, worst calls I've seen go against the Ravens all year. Like, 
no chance Beckham was ever going. It was Beckham, I believe, or Landry was one of the two of them. And no chance the ball was going to get caught. And he hooked his arm for half a second, maybe. It was it was very weak. Um, but uh, there were other penalties. Jimmy Smith face mask on OBJ on fourth down when they did contain the receivers and they run Baker out of bounds short of the goal line. That's a fourth down conversion. Um, Baker got him on a hard count. I believe it was it may have been Matt Judon. I, it was um, someone along the defensive line. Two guys really jumped and they got the encroachment to get a, another first down conversion on fourth down. Um, there was a um, I forget if this was a third or fourth down play, but there was another one where Marcus Peters had a, committed a hold that wiped what would have been either a punt or a stop. Um so that obviously just needs to get cleaned up, and I guess my concern is that's been a concern of Ravens teams for several, really, the entire John Harbaugh era, <laughs> but uh, just discipline on the defensive side, especially when you don't have, we, we've gone on and on about this, but you know, it's been years now since Ed Reed played there. There's not going to be the guy to just come swooping in and get the, the interception when your team absolutely needs it. Um, it's a different type of team, and I you have to you just have to clean it up um, when you don't have, I guess, as many kind of game-breaking defensive players as the Ravens once did. Yeah, you hope you hope they'll take care of that uh, with these weeks off that they have basically to prepare for, for the postseason. And I, Jace, you know, I'm going to say this sort of in parentheses, I think Earl Thomas still hasn't had his real true Ravens moment yet, and I would not be shocked if it occurs in the in the playoffs and he, and he makes a big play. Last note, special teams, we complained about them last week. They cleaned it up. Uh, Cook looked great. Tucker was perfect on the day. Uh, even Thomas had a few nice kickoff returns. The punt game, well, now is another story, but cleaned it up <laughs> uh, in, a, in a large sense, and it was good to see the special teams bounce back. Uh, before I move to the AFC North, guys, any last notes about this game? Uh, just the injuries, but we can get to those kind of when we preview who won't be playing um, next week or who we don't expect. Um, but yeah, I think top to bottom, well, I'll take a few seconds here and say um, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they, they entered this game. This, if I may, this sounds like something that's bothering you. Maybe is this bothering is. you, Chase? Uh, it's just this franchise. I think the Browns may have somehow, within the past year and a half, surpassed the Pittsburgh Steelers as the team that annoys me the most to play. We, I, I don't know if we've talked on air. I think we did. Um, but the, the rivalry with the Steelers has changed a lot. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's on the sideline, doesn't even know, hasn't been cleared to begin even throwing footballs yet. So who knows what him he, he holds uh, like Marshall Yonda's really the only guy left on the Ravens who was in, like the heart of uh, some of those big rivalry games. Maybe Jimmy Smith. It, there's been a ton of turnover on both sides and the Browns have positioned themselves to be the Ravens rival. But you know what? These guys, they're still the Cleveland Browns. They talk and they talk and they talk all offseason. And then the games get played. And what happens? The Baltimore Ravens eliminate you from the playoffs. They give you more losses than you did the year before. The Ravens are still the kings of the north. They're just a way better run franchise, top to bottom. And I don't want to hear from the Browns 
ever again. They lose the right to hype themselves up after this season. What an embarrassment. And I, seven, eight, and one, again, losing record last year, should we forget. And everyone, because they're coming off 0-16, everyone thinks they're the greatest team in the world. Well, they're worse this year. They're going to have a worse winning percentage than they did last season. So they got that going for them. Congratulations. I, I hate this team. I hate playing them. They annoy me in the way that playing the Steelers, which, you know, ask me this time next week after we, like, lose to Duck Hodges if I'm annoyed. And I'm sure I'll be very annoyed. But, uh you know, the Browns, they just are the most annoying franchise and got so much just completely undeserved hype. And I'm sick of them. And I hate play when the Ravens play them. And I want them to go away, which luckily for us, they will now because the Ravens knocked them out of the playoffs. So that's what's bothering me this week. The Cleveland Browns just what if certainly a team. I, I hope they keep Freddie Kitchens. Because, as we said, passing three consecutive times uh, and burning about 20 seconds max off the clock uh, in the two-minute drill. Big fan. Um, him, uh, The Browns getting booed off the field while a dude in a Bernie Kosar jersey flicks them off on the, that the CBS cameras caught. I was a big fan of that. Um, got brought a good got brought a good chuckle. Uh, so just a disaster of a franchise, and seemingly one that's going to be probably just as bad next year. You forgot about the sad kid with the water bottle too. That one warmed the cockles <laughs> of my heart at the very end of the game. Yeah, also, the the amount of Cleveland Browns Super Bowl Fifty Four champion calf tattoos in oh, Cleveland God. right now. <laughs> so many calf tats that have to be changed. Because these people thought that they deserved anything good when it came to their football team. By the way, let's hope. I think he is a, a senior finalist in terms of the finalists for the Pro Football, Pro football Hall of Fame. Let's just hope Art Modell gets in. Just to really <laughs> rub it in. Because it's it's been deserved for way too long. And it's not something we have to talk about now. But that would just be... The cherry on top of the beautiful Sunday that has been this Browns dumpster fire of a season. I'm right there with you. <laughs> the, the retrospective for the Browns on this season is is going to be our coach is a disaster and has to go. Is our quarterback, our, our franchise QB, I think he took a, a major step back uh, from last year to this year. I don't know if it's a case of him being figured out, of him just not playing as well, of him not being in the same shape that he was in last season there. Some reports that he's gained some weight uh, this year, but uh, <laughs> reports. Look at the camera. <laughs> uh, enjoying too much of whatever Cleveland's signature dish is. I Bush have no light. idea what it is. Okay, <laughs> a few too many uh, of those. Um, but yeah, went in the wrong direction this year after having a losing season last year. So there, yeah. I, thank you. That was what's bothering Jace. It's really what's bothering everybody. But the Ravens. Thank goodness he didn't lose to him twice because now they can finally stop talking about that one oh, game that I happened I, six I was so ago. relieved. And it just it puts it in such stark relief what the Browns do. And we could use this to, I guess, transition into the AFC North. But it wasn't great for them. But just the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's been a bad two weeks. But to be even in playoff, uh, the playoff discussion with what's so much clearly a worse team than the Browns, at least on offense... Uh, is a credit to, I think, the Steelers. Now, I did read this week um, 
that the Steelers have not scored over 27 points this season in any game, which, um, considering the Ravens are averaging into the 30s, uh, is interesting. <laughs> um, but so this week, uh, it was QB roulette again for the Steelers. Uh, Duck Hodges got the start, threw two picks, got benched, Rudolph back in. He got hurt, back to Duck Hodges, and then they lose to the Jets. So it's not great for the Steelers. Pittsburgh was 8-5. and five. I mean, we were talking about them like, wow, look at this team. Tomlin's coach of the year. They're, they're somehow going to cruise to a wild card spot. Uh, now losers of two straight. The duck magic is just gone. Uh, he's thrown, I think, six interceptions six, in his last six two picks games. And they've scored 10 points each of the last two weeks. It's... And now they have to play the Ravens B team uh, for their playoff lives, and they don't control their own playoff destiny. If they win and the Titans win, uh, the Titans will grab that six seed. So, yeah. The Steelers, I mean, my, my notes were so close to the playoffs yet so far. Uh, they've done just about, they've squeezed every ounce of juice out of that offense that they possibly could. Um, but it's going to probably end up coming up just short. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel bad for them because the Ravens have squandered, <laughs> bad, or they squandered great defenses with horrible offenses for years. That's, that's, that's what I thought football was for a very, very long time. Well, it was kind of until Ben Roethlisberger showed up, frankly, and like post-Terry Bradshaw, that was also the case for the Steelers. They spent yeah. like the whole 1990s wasting good defenses, and now they're like back to it again. Jace, he took over in like 2005. That's, know, that's been ancient so history at this point, so I don't want to hear it. Stop trying to give them excuses. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what they do with Roethlisberger next year because clearly Rudolph they don't have the guy. Clear, yeah, clearly Rudolph nor Duck is the answer. I think Ben probably plays next year, but how soon do you get the new guy? Because I mean, the guy has taken hits his entire career. Thank you, Bart Scott, and. He's clearly a guy who's injury prone. He's getting, time catches up to everybody. It's going to be hard to keep playing the way he does. I think next year, if he's back and if he's healthy, they are a legit candidate to challenge for the AFC North. Something we'll get into way down the line because of that defense. But I just I, I wonder how much life he has left. Maybe they'll use their first round draft pick and, and get a cool quarterback that they can develop. Hi oh wait, they don't have the first round draft pick. I, yeah, I, think, I, I think they're gonna I, draft I did read today with game. Roethlisberger, they they he he had a quote ESPN had that he said he hopes and expects to play, and you're like, Well that doesn't sound uh great for him. <laughs> like he hasn't started throwing a football yet, which seems important to playing quarterback. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I begrudgingly respect Ben Roethlisberger as a player. He's obviously tortured the Ravens for, as Tim mentioned, decades at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, th- this season they clearly have missed him. Because I think, yeah, I think the Ravens' pursuit of the AFC North would, frankly, have probably been a lot tougher. And I think the Steelers would have been a lot more on their heels. Uh, but... You know, you have an offense that's never scored 28 points in a game. Like, four touchdowns isn't asking that much for in, in 2019 NFL, and they just haven't been able to do it. Is you, you can only ask the defense, and we obviously as Ravens fans know this, you can only ask your defense to do so much, and it seems like it's caught up to them finally. The other remaining team in the AFC North, who I can't believe this, but Tim wants to discuss briefly, the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, uh, officially clinch the number one pick with their loss in what I have labeled toilet bowl number one uh, of last <laughs> week against the Dolphins. 
Tim, hot uh, hot takes on the Bengals. Oh no! I just I'm actually more annoyed that this was not the toilet bowl it was supposed to be early in the <laughs> season with both the Dolphins and Bengals winless. Now the Dolphins now sit at four and eleven. The Bengals one and fourteen. Good on the Bengals. I think Andy Dalton still has life somewhere as a middling quarterback. I'm looking at you, Chicago Bears. Uh, Uh, That's the team that's been thrown out for him a lot, and it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because they just need some sort of competence at that position with that defense. I mean, could he go to Pittsburgh maybe? Because they they might need it if Roethlisberger's not healthy. Um, The Bengals, I mean, they're going to get Joe Burrow. That's all I had to say. You kind of spoiled it when you said they locked up the number one pick. So they're getting LSU quarterback. Joe Burrow and or pass rusher Jace, Chase Young, excuse me. So let me follow up then. Are uh-huh. you concerned with this high likelihood that they have a new franchise quarterback who everybody's talking about in the college game? When they are oof, when they're more incompetent than the Browns at the moment? <laughs> Absolutely not. A few years away, yeah. even with a franchise quarterback likely from seriously competing in the AFC North. <laughs> The only note on this game is the Bengals managed to score 16 points in the final 30 seconds, which uh, you don't see too much in the NFL. So that was very strange. It was a very strange game. Um, I might lose my fantasy championship. Not that people care about fantasy because my friend started Ryan Fitzpatrick and got, of course, like 40 points from him as Fitz went for over 400 yards. So... Uh, very frustrating um, in that regard, but a very strange game. And I guess good on the Dolphins. It seems like Brian Flores might be a pretty good coach because everyone thought this was the team that was going to go zero and sixteen, and instead they're they're you know run of the mill four and twelve team that'll probably be picking third or fourth. So right as as we pivot to the NFL here, are the Dolphins the worst four win team? The best <laughs> four win team? I have no idea. Yeah. This was uh, they have question. lost games by fifty and sixty points. And yet have also won four games and are going to end up with like the fourth pick in the draft. Yeah, the Giants are going to go four and twelve probably too. But two of those wins are against the Redskins. So like, you're like, well, does that make the Giants worse? Like, how's it? The Redskins are like it's going to go three and thirteen. It's 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 a fascinating year for bad teams in the NFL. Certainly. By the way, sorry. I know we just need to move on to the rest of the NFL here. Did we mention that the Steelers lost to the Jets? Uh, in we passing, we probably didn't linger, linger on it like we should. <laughs> okay. They lost to the, the Jets. Scored the 10 Jets. points. The Jets. The Jets. In front of an extremely pro Steelers crowd well, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I had that as one of my picks uh, the other way. Mm. I, I, had, I, I loved the Steelers. You believed that. in Duck. I believed in the Steelers uh, as having a quasi home game. Uh, I think they were two and a half point favorites, maybe three point favorites in that game. When I saw the Jets go up seven nothing in the first quarter, I was very concerned <laughs> because <laughs> I, I knew that the Steelers were going to score about fifteen points somewhere in there, thirteen to seventeen points, and they only got ten, so that was a loss. Uh, yeah, we discussed it. I, I'd like to move on from it because uh, I, I may or may not have. Uh, <laughs> Been dealt a crushing blow from that game. So we'll pretend like that one didn't happen. Back to the NFL. There was another toilet bowl. I labeled this toilet bowl number two, uh, if either of you would like to comment on it. That was Giants-Redskins in an absolute shootout in uh, Landover, Maryland. 
Yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley, 100 and uh, I believe I saw he set a Giants record for yards from scrimmage in a game. Uh, shout out to Bill Callahan, who as coach of a 3-11 and team decided to kick the extra point instead of go for two when he scored in the final 30 seconds. I don't understand what you were possibly doing, but that was a choice. Uh, Dwayne Haskins got hurt, and he unfortunate because he actually was slinging it. He was, I believe, 12 for 16 with two TDs when he uh, injured his ankle there. Um, so that's unfortunate for a guy who's been maligned this year, but on admittedly a very bad Redskins team. Um, so it, it was very strange, too. The two best games Sunday were probably between the four worst teams in the league. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was very strange. I don't know if it was because there was two teams on the equal level playing uh, at their high, still playing NFL football, so it turned into good games. But it was oddly intriguing to watch on uh, Fall It All on Red Zone after the uh, Ravens game concluded that. Yeah, it, it was kind of the epitome of this weekend. It was kind of a bad weekend. There was another, there was a Saturday game I do want to get to here in a second. Also, you know, Saquon Barkley, like you said, 279 yards from scrimmage and uh, 90 of those in the air. Daniel Jones, five touchdowns. So. <laughs> Maybe they've got something. Maybe it's just the Redskins. Who knows? Good for both those fan bases for having an entertaining game to sort of end your year, I guess. Took the Steelers like eight games to get five <laughs> passing touchdowns. So <laughs> quite an accomplishment there from Daniel Jones. In a toilet bowl, no less. Uh, the next NFL point that I want to go over, which I truly did a triple take when I saw it. Uh, and we're, we're looking at sort of the playoff scenario now for the NFC and AFC. The Raiders entering Sunday's slate of games, you know, all these teams that have losing records, they have these like 11 things they need to happen, eight things they need to happen. The Browns had eight things that they needed to happen to technically get a playoff spot. And you sort of laugh those off because they never happen. The Raiders needed 10 things to happen before the week 16 games. They've gotten five of them with teams winning and losing. (laughs) And now the remaining five are shockingly... uh, Clear? I'm not going to say clear, but they look like they could definitely happen for the Raiders to make the playoffs. Patriots, they're going to win Week 17 against Miami. That's one of the things the Raiders have to win their game, which is probably going to be the toughest because it's the Raiders. Steelers have to lose against the Ravens. Titans have to lose at the Texans. And the Colts have to win their game against the Jags. And the Raiders are in the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that'd be the most John Gruden thing ever. I think. Do you guys, any thoughts? Any thoughts on the Raiders oh, sneaking? I in? want it to happen desperately because you know their last game in the Oakland Coliseum, they get booed off the field uh, after blowing a game. To just the pitiful Jaguars who um, fired Tom Coughlin this week as kind of their football operations guy, and uh, Doug Marone does not seem far behind. Um, in the chopping block and uh, just blew a terrible game to the, uh, the Jaguars. They're booed off the Coliseum fans sort of riot. Not really, but they had a hard time clearing the stadium after the game. Uh, and uh, then they win and they could make the playoffs when their last year in Oakland, when everyone was already saying goodbye to them and, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. It was the Browns. Everyone was focusing on it. Cause they were, you know, the, the, 
the Jim Nance, Tony Romo game this week. So they were kind of the main national game this week. So everyone's talking about the scenarios the Browns can get in. And then here come the Raiders with like, and they believe they played the Broncos this week. So it's, they could easily like stumble into this final playoff spot. And I think that would be really funny because the Raiders are a terrible team, but it'd be great to just have them in the playoffs because it'd be one of the funnier, I think, playoff teams we've had in several years. Yeah, quickly, you say funnier. I say it from a Ravens point of view. Bring them on because I'd rather play them <laughs> than anybody that's currently in the playoff picture. Uh, that's Steelers included, even with Duck Hodges. So bring on the Raiders if it happens. Raiders currently 7-8, and eight, by the way, uh, would sneak in as an 8-8 eight and eight team and would likely have the pleasure of traveling to Kansas City to play them. So the, the seedings as they are now, the, Ra- the Ravens have locked up the number one seed. New England, welcome back. They're the two seed. The Chiefs and the Texans are three and four. The Chiefs, technically, if the Chiefs lose and the Texans win, Houston can sneak into the three seed, but that's unlikely to happen as the Chiefs play the Chargers at home. So it's looking like Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, and then the Bills have pretty much yeah. Know, Bills are taking control of that, of that fifth seed. Five, and then it's that sixth seed that has technically three teams that could sneak in. The, the Steelers can sneak in. Uh, the Titans, if they win, they're guaranteed to be in. Uh, and then the Oakland Raiders. So with that being the seeding in the AFC, the Ravens are are almost definitely going to play the winner of the Bills Texans game. I don't see the Chiefs losing to any of those wild card uh, hopefuls left in that six seed. So I turn to the two of you now, and as we play a little, uh, you know, who would you rather again? Who would you rather the Ravens face in the first round of the playoffs? The at home at the bank, the Houston Texans, who they crushed at home. A long time ago, or the Buffalo Bills, who they struggled with a little bit on the road just a few weeks ago. So on paper, it should be Houston, but I'm going with the Bills because I trust Deshaun Watson far more than I do Josh Allen. Um, And I think the Bills defense is certainly good, but I think just Josh Allen at M&T Bank Stadium doesn't scare me. And maybe it should. The Bills defense is great. They certainly limited the Ravens offense about as much as any team other than the 49ers. And that was in a, you know, driving rainstorm. Um, But I just, I just don't trust him on the road in the playoffs. Um, And Watson, you know, he hasn't had really any playoff success yet, but I think he's really good. And I think, I, I just I don't see the repeat of the 41 to seven uh, blowout. It was the first time uh, I'm going the other way. I would rather see the Texans because Texans don't like coming to the bank. They never have. They never That's won true. there. Deshaun Watson. What has he done in the playoffs? Just as much as Josh Allen played has. a lot of Saturday afternoon, a lot of Saturday wild afternoon wild card games. Card games. Uh, Will Fuller is a weapon, but he can't stay on the field. So you have to cover one guy in DeAndre Hopkins. I believe that their their offensive line couldn't handle, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, a guy who I've started to like now, Matthew Judon, and, and some of these guys in the pass rush. I know it was in the, the wind and the rain and the cold up in Buffalo, but that Bills defense scares me. And the thing that carries this team is the offense, and if the offense stifles. One thing to mention, too, Josh Allen was dealing against the Patriots. He played pretty well. The Patriots, by the way, and we won't get to it too much because we're running a tad long, but... 
annoyingly good, annoyingly kind of back to it on Saturday night against the Bills. Um, Brady was fired up. Every play going to Edelman. By the way, Edelman was – yeah, Edelman. I, I always mix up him and Amendola, even though Amendola doesn't play there anymore. <laughs> Edelman definitely concussed, but they just let him back onto the field because he's oh, Julian yeah, he Edelman. Was, he was out for Love sure. that. That's great. Um, they were annoyingly good, but the Bills kept up with them. Uh, that scoreline was a little further apart than the actual game, I think. So I would rather play the Texans because I don't trust the Texans. I don't trust Bill O'Brien. I think Sean McDermott is a good coach. And I, Deshaun Watson is, is a better quarterback than Josh Allen, but I am I would rather play their defense and Deshaun Watson than Josh Allen and the Bills' defense, if that makes sense. I, I mean, I, I let you two guys go first, and I am, I'm sort of split in the middle here, and I, I realize that's a cheap answer to give, but, I mean, who, you know, who would you rather ha- – what weakness would you rather have uh, come into the bank? The Texans' porous defense yes. or the Bills' – you know, struggling offense. They haven't, obviously they haven't been a shootout offense all season, but in that game in Buffalo, they had open receivers. I remember that first half of that game, Josh Allen missed a couple of very open deep balls in the first half. And if he hits a few of those, I think it's a much tougher game than it ended up being. I originally was going to say, I'd rather play the, uh, the bills, but now I don't know. The Texans came to the bank. We blew them out. Uh, Watson did his thing with uh, Hopkins, and we still had complete control of that game. So I, I, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to let you two. T- I guess I'll say Houston. Uh, bring Houston because we've seen it happen already. Uh, the Texans had no ability to keep up with the Ravens, and Watson just hangs on to the ball way too long, which is ideal for our weak four man <laughs> four man rush. When I think they had seven sacks in that game, so. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I will certainly be jacked up for that game when it when it actually ends up happening. So, any other? Oh, I guess I should. We should look at the NFC. I don't want to just ignore the NFC here, but a lot yet to be determined in the NFC about who gets what seed. Uh, I don't want to get too too into it because a lot of it depends on on Week 17 matchups. But San Francisco, New Orleans already have. Uh, 12 wins. The Packers have 11 wins, looking to get 12 as we record right now. The Seahawks technically could still, they could be the sixth seed, they could be the, the three seed, they, they're going to move around all over the place. And Minnesota, looking like a wild card, but if they beat the Packers, could end up being you know one of the division winners. So a lot going on in the NFC. A lot of strong teams in the NFC as well. And speaking of not strong teams, the Dallas Cowboys blew their chance. Uh, to win the NFC East against the Philadelphia Eagles in just a horrible, horrible game. The Eagles now control their own destiny. They are playing the Giants while the Cowboys play the Redskins. So what's definitely going to happen, as Cowboys fan Cousin Sal mentioned on the Bill Simmons podcast this morning, Dallas is going to wipe the floor with Washington. The Eagles are going to leave it very, very late against the Giants and (laughs) crush the Cowboys' hopes. Um, Only other note I really have for the NFC is... And it could happen by the time you're listening to this. Marshawn Lynch is coming back. This is totally. a, this is a this Sounds is a real like it, yeah. thing. He's heading up to Seattle. Um, the, his last moment was the eternal flame in Oakland, trying to alight al- some illegal drugs uh, from Al Davis's eternal flame in Oakland, and he said goodbye to the NFL. I don't know if it was his last game there, but it was one of his fleeting memories as an Oakland Raider. 
Um, and <laughs> Seattle wants him back because Chris Carson looks like he's out for well, the year. So Car- Carson's out for the year. Uh, Rashad Penny's out for the year. I believe CJ Procise is out for the year. So they like truly have like no running backs. So it makes a level of sense. And now Marshawn Lynch hasn't played NFL football in like at least a year and a half, if Doesn't not two matter. years. Doesn't but, matter. Uh, yeah. Um, I'd love having him back. I love Beast Mode. He's great. Bring about that action, boss. Beast Mode. <laughs> All about that action. I'm just here because I don't give. So I don't give fined. Even Skittles on back. the sideline. All time great gif of when he stole the injury cart in college and just drove it around Cal Stadium. A true legend in every way. The Seahawks will host the 49ers in the Week 17 matchup. I believe that's going to be the Sunday night. Yeah, that's been flexed to the Sunday night game. Which is just a phenomenal last regular season game of the 2019 NFL season. So a lot lot yet to be determined. Uh, We still don't know who exactly is going to the playoffs and certainly where they're going to be. But what we do know is that the Ravens are off the first week. They're hosting both of their games. And then they're going to hopefully, knock on wood, travel back to Miami for their third playoff game. So... Let's move on from the NFL now to no need to cover what's bothering Jace because we, uh, we, we were able to enjoy that earlier already. So let's jump right to our random Ravens section. Tim, your turn. And uh, a little pre, uh, pre-show note here is that Tim specifically wants to make this harder uh, <laughs> than he had made it originally. So please save the... Oh boy! Maybe you know the harder clues for the end or, or something. Well, no. Here's the thing. So it, it's pretty easy. This one I think you guys are going to get. Um, and this is not to slight who. This is another listener submitted one. I'm the man of the people here. Andrew Ironman, a good, good friend of mine, went to went to Calvert Hall. Is a devout listener to the show, so we appreciate that. And he sent in a random Raven, and so I made up some clues for this guy. I think you're going to get him, but the, here is how we're going to go with this one. So clue number one. He was drafted by the Seahawks in 2007 and spent three years in Seattle. In 2008, the former University of Maryland man led the NFL in kick return yards. Number three, after being traded to the Ravens in 2010, he started nine games in his lone season in Baltimore, notching three interceptions that year. Clue number four. Another player who wore the same number for the Ravens is a Hall of Famer whose final stop of his illustrious career was in Baltimore. <laughs> I know Jesus who it is, but I don't know the name. You know what? This is how I feel every single time you guys have done it the last three oh weeks. My God, so I don't feel I'm bad blanking at all. so hard on this guy's name, and but I'm picturing him. Well, here it comes. You're going to get it. And clue number five, and I couldn't think of another one, so I think this is the bailout one. His most notable play for the Ravens was an interception return for a touchdown in overtime of a Monday night football game against the Houston Texans. Yeah, I know. <laughs> finally. <laughs> oh, still no. See, that, that no, finally, I don't have the name. That's that's the problem. Problem. See, that's why we do clue number five, Tim, because you need something to click, and I certainly remember that play and i thought i had the number but i wasn't sure so we'll let jason's just hands in his, fi- just oh, in I his face number. i remember we watched it in cumberland hall <laughs> i remember like the play and everything but uh the name is escaping me so we'll circle back to that and see if it comes to me yeah i don't actually have the full name now that i think about it we have time we, yeah. have, we have time to figure it out excellent that's an excellent yeah, that's uh, a great raven one. though um 
But so let's turn now to week 17. The most unnecessary game for the Ravens. <laughs> uh, Quite some time. A weird game. It'll be the Ravens B team going up against the Steelers B offense and A plus defense uh, in a week 17 matchup that for the Steelers, they'll be fighting for their playoff lives. The Ravens will be at home. Uh, and that, in my opinion, may be enough to to seal this game. But uh, what do you guys think about this well, Week 17 uh, sort of strange game for the Ravens that we haven't experienced a lot as fans, certainly? Well, I was going to say, it's a nice change because this time last year, Week 17, the Ravens were clinging to their lives uh, about 10 yards away from uh, not making the playoffs. Uh, but... Uh, our our good friend CJ Mosley picks off Baker Mayfield to preserve it. It's a lot better feeling this year, not having to have to care about this game. Uh, I know we in the summer we dreaded this game as being win and in for the AFC North probably, but uh, the Ravens have taken care of business all year and put that behind them. So um, I believe we mentioned who's not playing, but if we haven't, it's uh, Lamar Jackson most notably is not. Mark Ingram is not going to play. As he recovers um, from his calf injury, uh, John Harbaugh said Earl Thomas and Marshall Yanda will also not be playing. Um, and I would frankly be surprised if Mark Andrews played um, a ton. He got rolled up on a little bit, was kind of limping a little bit on his ankle. Um, and our whole thing is how many tight ends the Ravens have. So I think we're going to see a lot of Hayden Hurst this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, um, you, you're not going to sit everyone obviously. And John Harbaugh said as much cause it's the NFL. You only have so many roster spots. Someone has to play, uh, the game. Oh, uh, Brandon Williams was another guy. He said, will not be playing. Um, so I don't think the Ravens are going to win. It seems like their focus is probably not going to be there. The Steelers absolutely need the win. So you think you're going to get, um, their best effort, but like you kind of mentioned, Antonio, the Steelers offense is just bad, and that might be the equalizer, and I don't know if this was a podcast I was listening to or just thinking of, but the offense, you know, RG3, the whole reason he's the backup is he's kind of like the worst version of Lamar Jackson. <laughs> the, the much worse version <laughs> yeah, of Lamar not Jackson. Not to be mean to RG3, but they're going to be able to run similar stuff, so if they can like get Gus Edwards running and stuff. Uh, I think they're gonna be able to maybe have some success, but I think, I think the Steelers defense is just too good. And RG three is RG three. So I think, I don't think they're going to have enough to get it done personally. Yeah. I think the interesting thing here, it's tough to break down this game when you have so many guys resting. Um, and you don't really know what to expect. Um, you know, you're joking, but at the same time, RG three could have just an absolutely horrible game against this defense, <laughs> and it could be right. it could be over not over early because I don't trust the the Steelers' offense at all. Um, as Antonio is furiously shaking his head, <laughs> um, but I think I think the more interesting thing here is I've been kind of going back and forth, and it sounds like a uh, corny radio topic, but I believe there's some validity to the rest first rust of Do you want guys to stay healthy? Um, or do you want to keep the momentum going? I mean, 11 straight wins is is some incredible momentum that you'd want to have heading into the playoffs. But then I watched Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, 
and Mark Andrews all hobble within about 20 seconds of each other. And I said, you know what? Pull them all. We got the number one seed. It's fine. Um, I think momentum is a thing. I, I know people argue that it's dead. I disagree with that completely. Um, or it's not It's not a, a real thing that you judge people on or teams on, excuse me. But I think the best best possible situation for this is Rest your guys, have them ready in, in three weeks' time now to play the divisional game. And you know what you do if you're hardball? This is a team sport. You're on this 53-man roster for a reason. Go out there and show you belong, that you're part of this championship squad. RG3, as we're recording, SportsCenter tweeted out some quote about now it's RG3's time to shine with videos of him doing the, the walkout. And he goes, week 17 is not about me. Every week is always about the team, the team, the team at Ravens. Now that sounds corny, but that's the mentality that this team has built throughout. And that's why they're successful. And that's why they're not the Cleveland Browns. It's about team, 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 first and foremost, all, all day, every day. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be competitive. Like you said, it's not going to be all backups. You're going to get a couple a couple starters in there. They might pull them later in the game. Who knows? There's only so many roster spots. But I expect a, com- a competitive game for the Ravens. They're not going to lay down because they still want to – a competitive game against this Steelers team desperate for a win is enough momentum for me going into the playoffs. I'll put it that way. I, yeah. I Look, I think the Ravens are deep enough to win this game with their starters out. They're playing at home. They're playing a team that's, guess what, not going to score 20 points. If the Ravens can get to 20, they're probably going to comfortably win this game. On the defensive side, we're going to see a lot of Demata Pecco, uh, a lot of Bowser, <laughs> a lot of Sack Daddy. Let's see how he can Sack do with, with 60 minutes, uh, you know, 60 minute ball game. Let's see. Let's see how he can do uh, in terms of, you know, shining and, and making plays. Patrick Owasso is going to see a lot more plays than he had. He was a starter to start the year. He's going to get a ton of snaps in this game. Uh, and then offensively, we have these two backs that we previewed. We talked about them earlier. You know, um, Edwards and, and Justice Hill, they're each going to get, you know, Gus Edwards is probably going to have 20-plus carries. Hill is going to have 10-plus carries. And they're just going to run it, run it, and run it. And eventually, the Steelers' D will tire of that, and, and we'll see some yards and some points. If it were in Pittsburgh and it was like a, you know, a, a tight line, two or three points, then I would be not nervous, I guess, but I'd be a little more convinced that Duck Hodges was suddenly going to stop throwing interceptions and and lead them (laughs) to a win. But at home, it's still going to be rocking. It'll be sort of like a celebratory game with the fans because they know that the Ravens are already the number one seed. And I can't believe the line is what it is. I mean, we don't have to to dive into the gambling section yet, but the Ravens are two point underdogs in this game at home. They're home underdogs to a team that can't score 20 points with a third-string quarterback who they tried to bench but couldn't because Rudolph immediately got hurt and will be out for this game. So I, I just don't see it. The line, I guess I'm wrong because the line is what it is, and the Ravens are our home dogs, but there's too much depth. This team is on an absolute roll, and I think they're going to continue that in this Week 17 game. You you make great points. I went with the, the Steelers. I just took the Steelers minus two and a half or two, whatever it was. Um uh, but just on the basis of them needing the game more, but I think you're right. And I think it is important to just say too, that like, you know, uh, yeah, Steelers minus two. Um, but you know, the, 
coaches aren't taking the week off, right? Like they're, they can't get ready for an opponent. They don't know who it is. So like the rest is just for players to physically heal. The players who are going to play will be giving it a hundred percent. The coaches are going to have a normal game plan uh, that they would. Maybe you don't, you know, unveil that trick play you got in your back pocket or anything, but they're going to play hard. And it is kind of stunning to see the Ravens at underdogs. I just guess I have less, faith in rg3 since he hasn't really started in such a long time but to your point too steelers can't score so it'll it'll probably be ugly and low scoring but uh i I just went with the steelers for the points quickly the over under is 38 so uh an under there might be might be uh tasty (laughs) yeah slam that under um i agree with you on rg3 jace but and you heard me at the beginning of this podcast. I, I certainly have my criticisms of the way the team showed up in Cleveland. Uh, they certainly figured it out. And I don't want to sound like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here, but I'm done not believing in this team. This is not the Ravens of old anymore. It's not. Not Now, if they lose by 10, even 10, I'll go back to full pessimist mode. Yeah, Antonio was very excited that he converted. Thought, I thought we had you. No, thought we had you. No, the force is not strong with this one. But... I with that being said, I'm still taking I'm going to take Ravens minus or plus two. Excuse me. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird to say that we are not the favorites, even with what's going on um, with Pittsburgh and Baltimore wrestling so many players. But because of that, I'm going Baltimore plus two. And to get into the other picks here, because we're, we're, we're in it now, we're in the gambling section. <laughs> Week 17. If you are a gambler, stop. Go get some help. Do not bet <laughs> on week 17. No, you don't know who's going to show up, who's not going to show up, who's going to have the Matt Flynn game from a couple years ago and just go nuts to get the big contract. That Raven Steelers over under, though, looks really tasty. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I'm here for you, Antonio. I'm here to help. Don't waste your money. You're just, this, it's just asking you to make money, Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know, I know. The lines are really funky, and for that, I've got some funky picks here. Atlanta's a pick 'em away to Tampa Bay. <laughs> and Atlanta has been on a roll. Yeah, they've been great lately. I mean, Dan Quinn has, has saw the writing on the wall and said, I'm not going anywhere, and good on him. And guess what? We need 30 picks from Jameis Winston. And the, that's the only sole reason I'm picking Atlanta in a pick 'em over Jameis. Jameis <laughs> threw a pick at 1.02 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Last weekend, so the first story we should have covered in the NFL recap, and we didn't. One o two Eastern time, I believe he has twenty eight now. He, yeah, he threw two. He threw four. In yeah, he threw four game. on Saturday against Houston, who is not a very good defense. And then, he uh, needs two more to get to thirty. That's why I'm picking Atlanta. My last pick. This line might change at the, uh, because at the time of recording, they are playing on Monday night. But Green Bay minus ten away to Detroit. Aaron Rodgers in a dome. To take a play uh, play out of Jay Seven's playbook, Aaron Rodgers in a dome. Has, has he done well uh, against Detroit or not? Yeah, no, nah, he's pretty good, especially in the dome. So minus ten, give me that. They might need that game too. Yeah, so I was going to say it could be up. to determine uh, the NFC North if they don't win tonight. Um, I uh, my picks. Uh, I went with the Colts, three and a half point favorites at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I believe I mentioned earlier in the show have fired Tom Coughlin, seemed days away from firing Doug Marone. Uh, it's really unraveled there. Colts looked awesome on Sunday. Now they did benefit from two different punt returns, uh, to the detriment of my fantasy team yet again. But, uh, my other pick is the Chiefs, seven and a half point favorites against the, I almost said San Diego Chargers, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, who 
uh, wrapped up their glorious run in Carson, California, by being booed in their own stadium uh, on Sunday. Um, they're just they're done. Anthony Lynn, another I believe actually good coach who uh, seems like he might be on the chopping block. And uh, the Chiefs, as we mentioned, technically do need to win this game to seal up the three seed. And I believe they want to do that because there's no way they want to play the Buffalo Bills, who I think would give them a lot more of a challenge than uh, possibly the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so um, I went with the Chiefs as my second pick there. So I, I have Ravens plus two. I'm not sure if I actually ever said that earlier, but um, home dogs. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. But my other picks, uh, which the more I look at them, the more I hate them. So you're absolutely right, Tim. It's week 17. Uh, be, be, be wary. <laughs> Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland Browns, after all that, they're only two and a half point favorites at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not good. They've only won one game. Cleveland can do some things, and I think that's enough. Two and a half points seems way too low to me. And then the Texans are hosting the Titans in a game both teams need to win, and the Texans are five-point dogs at home, which that is a line that that sort of makes no sense to me. The Texans just (laughs) beat the Titans in Tennessee two weeks ago. Uh, I think they have a very good shot of winning at home, uh, and they got a lot of points to work with so I really see and now I knew yeah no they are they are 10 the Titans are five point favorites I had to look at it again because I couldn't believe it it's Houston getting five points against a team they beat on the road two weeks ago that seems like an easy pick so I'm sure I'll get that one wrong mm-hmm. so that's what we got for gambling let's go back to our random Raven Tim can you can you run through those clues one more time and, and let's watch Jace uh, sort of put his hands in his head again watch him squirm uh, I'm gonna uh, go he this player was drafted by the Seahawks in 2007 and spent three seasons in Seattle. In 2008, this former University of Maryland man led the NFL in kick return yards. After being traded to the Ravens in 2010, he started nine games in his lone season in Baltimore, notching three interceptions that season. Another player who wore the same number for the Ravens is a Hall of Famer whose final stop of his illustrious career was the Baltimore Ravens. And his most notable play for Baltimore was an interception return for a touchdown in overtime of a Monday night football game against the Houston Texans. So, Jace Evans, I turn to you. Yeah. So I kept getting Josh stuck in my head. I couldn't think of the last name, but I feel like I pieced it together. And I don't know if this is him. Is it Josh Wilson? I don't know. What do you have, Antonio? You have Josh Wilson. Antonio, who do you have? Just a few things quickly. Did not know this guy was a Maryland grad, number one. Number two, the number helped because the number's 37. That's Dion. That's prime yeah, time. Prime time. Dion came Chris to the Ravens. McAllister was not giving up 21. Uh, <laughs> then the pick six was a guy who threw so many of them, the Ravens were like, we need to have him on our team. And that was the Matt Schaub <laughs> Texans game. The Ravens love playing the Texans. Maybe, maybe we should have them I'm telling come, you. come to the bank. I'm telling you. Uh, and the player is Josh Wilson. That is the guy. It is Josh Wilson. It is Josh Wilson. Oh, Very okay. nice job there by uh, Jace Evans and Antonio Barbero. Uh, Josh stuck in my head, and then I just like, I kept wanting to say Josh Richardson, but I was like, no, he plays in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, that can't be right. So I need another Josh uh, again. Yeah. Thank you to Andrew uh, yeah, for sending that one in. Random, yeah, random, which is the goal here. So, so exactly. well done, well done by Andrew. Yeah, I remember. Uh, why, I don't know if we watched that together, Antonio, but I remember watching because they blew a huge lead in that game. It was like they were up like twenty-eight nothing at one point, and then the Ravens blew the lead because of the the classic third quarter lull. 
and uh and then Josh Wilson wanted an overtime or something. So it was, uh, I remember watching it in Cumberland and not really being happy, even though they won the game. So a classic 2010 perennial Ravens Ravens state. Yeah. Yeah. Again, (laughs) real quickly, if you want to submit a random Raven, um, obviously, you know, you can find us all at Antonio underscore Barbera at Tim Horsey at Jace T Evans on Twitter. Probably better to put them in the personal tweets rather than the pod like a Raven one, because we do all see those. If you want to send it on Instagram at pod like a Raven, Antonio won't see it because he doesn't have one. So maybe that's the one to do it for for there. Can't pull the trigger with yeah, Instagram. That, that, I can't do it. You know what? You're a better man for it. Or you can always email us at pod like a Raven at gmail.com. Um, that's probably the best way to do it. One of us will check it and then immediately delete it. So the other ones don't see it. Um, and we can do it that way as well. All right. So that's going to, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, the Ravens, they're good, uh, and they may never lose again unless they lose this week in a worthless game against the Steelers. Steelers week, we're, we're excited about it, as we always are, even in a meaningless game. We, we love these division rival rivalry games, and uh, we will be back with you next week to go over it and to discuss the Ravens in the postseason. They'll have, they'll have a week off, and we'll have some filler to, to talk about for that week. I guess we'll look at the other other NFL matchups and, and give you some, maybe we'll do some, some trophies or some awards, uh, end of season awards for the, for the Ravens players. Lamar Jackson, defensive player of the year, <laughs> best running back on the team. All right. So that's going to do it for us for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks as always for listening to pod like a Raven. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.